Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something, something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to the Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring from, from exploitation to cooperation. My original shamanic teacher was very old when I met him, so old, he carried stories from relatives remembering a time when his people lived in cooperation. That's not to discount squabbles and territorial disputes, but what's significant in any culture is the norm, as that dictates outcome. When in council, the elders would make decisions based upon a three-pronged balance, a triangulation between the needs of the individual, the tribe, and the earth, including all living upon her. The beauty of this approach is the lack of polarization between two opposing agendas, us or them, if you will. It was understood that solutions existed, taking into account all concerned. It's how native tribes existed for thousands of years, leaving a very small footprint. Modern society has held polarized mindset. In order for us to win, someone else must lose. Decisions have been made from materialism, narcissism, and greed, and we are reaping the rewards in spades. If we don't take decisive action soon, the outcome will not be to our liking. There are too many of us to return to indigenous ways. Is there a third option? Is it possible to abolish war and poverty? Can we hope to build a global community where everyone's needs are met, including those of the planet? Our guest this hour has spent a lifetime pondering these very things. With us is Alana Hartsuk, co-director of Earth Rights Institute and author of The Earth Belongs to Everyone, recipient of the Radical Middle Book Award. In 2011, Alana received the International Earth Day Award from the Earth Society Foundation. She's international liaison for Robert Schockenbach Foundation, United Nations NGO delegate for the International Union for Land Value Taxation, and a psycho-spiritual counselor and psychotherapist in private practice. In both 2001 and 2014, she was a candidate for U.S. Congress Pennsylvania's North District. She initiated tax reform legislation into law by by Governor Thomas Ridge. She's given lectures and seminars in 30 countries. Her website, 
earthrightsinstitute.org. Alana, thanks for joining us on The Science of Magic. Thank Thank you so much for inviting me. What is a psycho-spiritual counselor? Well, um, it's one that understands the emotional healing, and it also understands that we have a deep self, a soul, and um, it's connecting the two. Often people who are soul-connected have a heck of a hard time being in this world, and so it's a matter of then balancing the, the emotions and the the mind and the the physical body to function effectively in the world. And then some people who are effective in the world sometimes don't have a clear meaning and purpose. And then uh, it's their task then to go on a soul journey and connect more strongly with their soul or deep self. So it's understanding how to work with somebody on all those dimensions. Okay. Can I get you to speak up a little bit? I'm having a little okay. trouble hearing you. Great. Thank you. All right. So, so you're the co-director of Earth Rights Institute. What exactly is that? Well, this was uh, founded with myself and another woman, a Green Party leader named Ann Gecki, and we put together our two life visions and goals, and it's to bring together people of goodwill and special skills to uh, build ecological communities, and um, it's an earth healing agenda. And by earth rights, we have two meanings for that. One is that the earth has rights itself for care and protection and integrity. And also that we human beings really, by natural law, have a right, a birthright to our planet. Uh, and that's an equal right as a birthright to our planet since we are spiritual, but also earth beings, material beings. We we need material for life. We're going itself. to we're going to need to pick up with this on the other side of a quick break. Okay. Al- <laughs> Alana and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to the Science of Magic. Our current episodes are aired daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. In service to our listeners, prior and innovative episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www 
HolisticCancerFoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic. Dedicated to Unification and Evolution of Consciousness, I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Alana Hartsuk, co-director of Earth Rights Institute and author of The Earth Belongs to Everyone. Her website, earthrightsinstitute.org. Speaking of rights, we were talking about rights, Alana. You were saying that um, there's three three of them. Would you mind uh, recapping I that for us? I was saying, uh, actually, that there's, there's two meanings we give to that term, Earth Rights. And the one being the earth itself, the land and resources, uh, uh, to be treated with rights for respect and caring and integrity as a right relationship of people to the earth. Our other meaning is that people themselves, we have a right to our planet, to our earth, as a birthright. And it's a natural right, and that it's an equal right by all who are born here. And this would be a right that holds throughout the generations. And this is the earth rights that uh, we have not had as an underpinning of democracy. Uh, it's an essential economic human right. And I've never met anyone who said that somebody else should have more rights to our earth than, than, than they do or than somebody else does. Have you ever thought of that? Yeah, it amazes me how something so simple and so absolutely necessary is totally absent in our government and everything. Absolutely. And the earth rights, when you mention this and people focus and they say, yes, of course, they know intuitively that this is correct. The earth is the birthright of all people, and it's an equal right by birth. And then they say, but, but that's an impractical thing. That can't mean anything. That can't be any reality. And I say, hold on, just, just hold to your truth there that you said, yes, this sounds true to you. And then we can go ahead and we can talk about practical policies that are based on this this deep ethic. Mm-hmm. But the problem to me is, um, you know, it sounds great. It really does. But how do you get there from here? I don't know how much further away from that we could be. <laughs> well, there are examples, and, and I could certainly, uh, I'll give some of them. But let's just talk about what you said earlier about how our culture divides. We're divided from each other. It's win-lose. And that indigenous cultures who understood and, 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 and lived by the earth rights ethic, uh, it, was, it was let's make decisions together for the good of all, all people and all life. And how did we get so divided? 
And we have to really go back at least (laughs) as far back as the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire, if you go really deep down down this rabbit hole, you you just kind of almost face evil, you know, that some kind of evil that just likes to keep people divided and in conflict. But essentially, when you look at that Roman Empire land ethic, it's dominium. And it legalized land that was acquired by conquest and plunder. The original, and this has been deeply researched by a Filipino man named Charles Avila in his Ownership Early Christian Teachings book. The, the original Judeo-Christian land ethic is koinonia. It's a Greek word that means the earth, the land, the resources are the gift of the creator. It's God's gift. For the autarkia, that means for the self-sufficiency, for the livelihoods of all. You know, that that's was what was trying to come through, through Jesus' teachings. Yeah, and then that's, there was the indigenous teachings as well. Absolutely. You know, that, that co, co-respect for, for the earth as a living being and our right to equal um, resources. And that's sure gone by the wayside. Caring and caring. Yeah. So, so you're, as, as, a, as, a yeah. as a psychotherapist in private practice, how did you get involved in this work? Oh, this work comes out of a life when uh, I, I was a questioner, a seeker, a little philosopher as a child. And I think we all have that in us. Everybody has those moments when you ask deep questions. And we can't let ordinary life get in the way of the deep questions that well up inside of us. So I took my deep questions seriously. I was one of those why kids, uh, as, as all kids are in a young age. But... Um, I persisted in this, and I questioned authority, and I got in lots of fights with my rather authoritarian father, which is simply a familiar experience where we're working through this in the family, this domination, male over female, now to have egalitarian gender relationships, and to also respect the voice of the child rather than just say, do what I told you to. So my questions were taken seriously by me, and I searched for many, many years for answers. And my questions were about what, what, what is e- emotional health? I knew I was hurting. How do I find emotional healing? I knew I'd had very profound spiritual experiences as a child where I would go into what we might call unity consciousness, and I would be filled with bliss coming out of those high states. And I couldn't even verbalize it till I came into Buddhism and found out about some of these states of consciousness. I kept searching and searching, and, you know, if you ask the right answer, and I know you've had this happen, if you ask the right question, I mean, the answer will appear. So how it did how did you drop into how did you drop into unity consciousness? What what precipitated it? Oh, I I remember just sitting uh, in the kitchen uh, as a young child. I think my mother was maybe working in the kitchen, and I was just probably in a very calm, peaceful state of mind. And then what we know about these experiences, when you're in them, you're in unity, so you're not, there's no separate observer watching your experience. You're simply in it. You're in the unity. But then when you start individuating again, when you stop dropping into your separative consciousness, is when you experience the uh, bliss of that state, just as high blissful feelings that would go on for several days for me. And... Uh, I, I think the closest it comes to the West is a, an epiphany type of experience, uh, but the Eastern philosophies have much more understanding of these states. Why, so why do you think? I would just say a deep, peaceful, natural, deep, conscious, kind of natural meditative state is what I probably fell into. Why do you think they're so rare in our culture? Well, they're they're... They're, they're, they're not validated. They're not, we are, we are language, humans are language people. And like I said, as a child, if I had no experience of how to describe it, there were no words taught to me or known, then I couldn't share the experience. If we don't have language to share states of consciousness, Sanskrit and these ancient languages have these words, but English doesn't. Why? Because I think there's a lot of spiritual repression that has happened through centuries and centuries. Uh, I think that people in monasteries and monastic lives were were having these experiences. But we know there were times when those kinds of spiritual people were persecuted. 
the yeah, you know, you know what I find. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, what I find interesting is that in our native, all, all of our indigenous tribes, they had a um, um, shamanic base to everything. Okay, yeah. they were all there's a shamanic base, and that is a, a, um, a method by which you can access unity or the quantum level. And in, in westerns, you know, we have done everything we can to abolish shamanism. Um, because of the unity. So is there something going on there? Is there some reason that we have tried to uh, do away with unity consciousness? Uh, I have been going down several rabbit holes, many of us these days, looking at deep problems, several. And every time when I get really down, it's horrifying. I just see something very demonic. Uh, it, It just... These forces of good and evil are very much with us, and we have to tip the balance back to the side of the light, back to the side of the good, and that—that's the crisis we are in right now. But we if you look at—if you look at good and evil, that's polarized. Aren't we needing a third option, like a three-pronged approach, where there's positive, negative, and neutral? Positive, negative, and neutral. Yes, that's—that's, that's, but that doesn't allow us to engage in the struggle and I think there's a certain struggle and we're looking at uh, to look at the dark side can also make us fight for the light for what's good a mother who sees some threat to her child is going to become fierce fierce to protect that child and as women we have to be careful not to be too nice we have to be careful to also allow our fierce face to come forward because there's truly terrible destruction happening now. Oh, I would and argue I that. But isn't that fighting fire with fire if we're, if we're, if we're dealing with ferocity and warlike uh, attitudes? Well, this is where I think Satyagraha and what Gandhi taught us and Martin Luther King about nonviolent civil disobedience, where we, we can't collude with what's wrong, but we can't become that evil either. But to stand on the truth force is such a power and such a light. I think that's where where more of us will be going. Here in Pennsylvania, there are towns that have, now this brings us into the political arena, but they have been fighting against corporations who are uh, wanting to have deep frack wastewater wells, which destroy the water table, and fracking pipelines and CAFOs, confined animal feeding operations that confine huge numbers of animals. These are terribly destructive to our local cultures, and there's been no recourse from the national or the state environmental protection agencies. They're simply not serving the people. They're in the hands of the corporation. We're Didn't so everything about- get big and unwieldy? Does what? Didn't everything Sorry. get pretty big and unwieldy? This is actually bringing it down to local governance, local power, local control. It's actually, it's like actually revising democracy. Because if the people who live in a certain place can't protect their place, it's like they can't protect an invasion. So what they're doing, they're putting together their home rule charters, and they're having um, amendments in their charter that are based on the rights of nature. Mm. The one that's in Pennsylvania that I know the people, they're the very first rights of nature in a governance charter in the United States. Uh, and also, Ecuador is the first country in the world that has rights of nature, rights of Mother Earth embedded in their constitution. I mean, that's that's such a brilliant thing, because if we don't take care of the Earth, where are we going to live? Uh, well, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> so these home rule charter townships are doing everything legally, but they're also um, standing on a deep dem- democratic ethic. And they've come to the point that no matter how many environmental lawyers try to get the state and the national government to stand with the people, they can't do it. The only way they're going to do it, and they're realizing this, and they're networking around it, is nonviolent civil disobedience. So the one in Indiana County, Pennsylvania, in Grant Township, they've actually have an ordinance in their township uh, charter that says they will not arrest nor fine anyone for nonviolent civil disobedience. It's gotten that uh, serious. Wow! Wow! Is that the is that the only place where this is going on? Uh, 
if people want to know more about it, go to Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund. Read and hear what Tom Lindsay, the lawyer, environmental lawyer who founded it, and is doing these work in localities in several states and several localities in Ohio and Pennsylvania just did a, a, a tour through the different localities who are in the struggle. So they're networking together, and they have very clear um, constitutional amendments for the state and federal level. Okay, well, we're going to have to pick up with this. enough power. We're going to have to pick up with this on the other side of a quick break. Alana and I will return to our discussion (laughs) on on the other side of this break, so don't go away. the other side of it. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. 
Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Alana Hartzuk, author of The Earth Belongs to Everyone. Her website, earthrightsinstitute.org. Alana, we started earlier talking about how all of the continents have an indigenous roots, and every indigenous culture really took the earth itself into consideration in all the decision-making. Historically, how did we get away from that? Well, uh, I often trace it to what happened, as I mentioned earlier, with this Roman land law of dominium. And then as the Roman Empire expanded, the, the people, the indigenous people's lands were taken away from them. Essentially, they were privatized. You had a whole period um, called the Inquisitions, where indigenous people, many women, mostly women, were, were um, burned at the stake or hung, and their lands were taken away from their people and their villages. If I go back to my own ancestry in Germany, um, we would have been uh, commoners living on common lands. You know, at some level, we're all indigenous. And uh, then during this period of enclosures, several hundred years, uh, my people eventually in the northern area, what's now Germany, would have been made uh, serfs, became serfs. Uh, and then those enclosures happened throughout Europe and, and into England and Scotland. You had the um, Scot- Scottish Highlanders. You had the uh, privatization of those lands. And then you had the Scots flee to Ireland. And then the Scotch-Irish fled to the United States. In fact, the little town closest to where I live is Scotland. My area in Pennsylvania was settled by these Scotch-Irish people who had been fleeing from their land loss 2,000 acts of enclosures of lands. So my people, uh, centuries ago, or, or when the American Revolution happened, we were conscripted as mercenaries to fight with the British against the American Revolution. So you saw this. It's happening in Africa today, the land grabbing in Africa and so on. The, um, the, 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 it, it, it's, it's that if uh, enough people do not do what's right, then, then evil prevails. So that's where we're at again. We're another part of that cycle where we need to come forward with these traditional knowledges for this complex world. And one very simple way. That, uh, so so yes. it, we, we are in a complex situation, yeah. and everybody has kind of turned narcissistic. I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people have. Or polarized, good, good bad, right, wrong, um, yes, no. What's the walk out of that as an individual? How, what's our mindset? You work with, with psychotherapy. What, what can you advise the individual to start stepping out of that mindset? Well, it, it, as, as we know from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you need your basic necessities, you need security, belongingness, and then the self-expression and the spiritual connection, right? Well, that so would be my stuff. needs, but that's that seems to be the min- minority of people that recognize that. Right. Um, well, I would maybe. say if somebody if somebody says to the average person out there, uh, well, we're going to take part of your land here because you have more than your share, or we're going to take part of your resources because you have more than your share, the first they're gonna, thing they're going to think about is, wait a minute, this is mine, and uh, what if I can't afford my uh, acrylic nails? That's That's a must-have for me. That's the mindset out there. How can we move beyond that? Uh, well, there isn't a whole approach that enables uh, a good thing from the, the, the right being private property to essentially have private property for all. <laughs> so, again, it transcends right-left. It's a, you may talk about land reform. You can talk about private property for all. So there's, there's very practical ways to secure this. And I'd like to talk about the community land trust movement, may well, I? Well, actually, actually, what I would like to, <laughs> to talk about, if you don't mind, is how can the individual start to shift their mindset so that it's more ecological? Well, I tell you, I had an ecological mindset, but I was paying high rents in San Francisco. (laughs) Uh, There wasn't much I could do. I could join the Green Party, which I did, and so forth. But I couldn't really get my fingers in the dirt, if you will. So I moved back home where I could get affordable housing in Pennsylvania, uh, and I... uh, managed to get with a low income, because I've always been an activist also, uh, a three-and-a-half-acre micro farm where I'm very, very happy. And so I can go out into the garden and do organic gardening and grow my own food and have chickens and, and other animals, and I just really love this way of living. Uh, 
Oh, and I do so too, Elena. I do I too. But how many people can do that? I mean, just how can we divide the whole earth up so that everybody has an opportunity to have that experience? I don't know that it's possible. Well, we're doing examples in, in California how this would work, and it works very, very well. Uh, and so, for instance, the School of Living is a 50-year-old community land trust, and it has seven land trust parcels in three states. And the one, uh, 65 acres in Virginia, was a Cherokee Indian tribe. The chief died of that ban, and so they're letting go of that. And so now I'm working with a partner uh, who's going to have this as a sanctuary for African-American women and children so they can really get that connection with nature, a really secure place to be in nature. And even though Pennsylvania is one of the older states, you can drive through here and there's there's so much land that's even though so many people live rurally, there's still so much open land that very beautiful, small eco-villages and small farms. Uh, it, it's quite, quite doable and people are doing it. They're living this way. And and we see this also in the in the cities where there's more and more urban gardening, and those lands in the cities can become land trusts or special parts for food production purposes. How important uh, do you think it is for us to start doing the home garden? Um, I remember, I don't remember, I wasn't around, but clear, clear back when they did the Victory Gardens, uh, we started growing a lot of food um, ourselves. What's the value of that at this point, do you see? It, it not only gives us good, nutritious, organic food, and we know where our food comes from, it engages us directly with Mother Earth, with nature, with, with life, and, and that is healing for human beings. In Marie Montessori's form of, of, of childhood education, they have the phase where they really honor the, the, the opportunity for the child to bond with the Earth. And frankly, the fr- people that I know who as children spent time in the earth, in, the, in, in nature, are a very much the psychologically healthier person than the people who've never had that bonding with Mother Earth, who tend to be more on the neurotic side and the anxiety, anxious side, and not as actually even physically or mentally as healthy. So I, yeah, I, really I totally good. agree with you there. Being, you know, there's so many kids that think they think their chicken comes under cellophane, you know, um, or it's a McNugget, okay? But on the other side of the coin, being able to bond with the earth um, in large numbers and work the earth in large numbers, is that possible now? I mean, just statistically, the numbers that we have? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, we don't need to all be living in these mega cities. The cities can be scaled down with much more open space. I mean, I go to New York frequently, and one of the most splendid things about New York, we all know, is Central Park. And so here's a beautiful commons that's easy for everybody in New York City to get to. All the areas Brooklyn has its big park it's just beautiful and and so that is my my friends in New York love going to Central Park you see so you can be in the city and bond with mother nature you don't have to 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 own something you don't have to own a backyard uh my friend has a little bit of uh, food uh growing on her balcony there right by Lincoln Center and she just delights in a little bit of plants that she has on her balcony she loves New York but she walks every day in Central Park Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful that we're getting some green patches in the middle of the concrete, but that oh, doesn't—that yeah. doesn't—that doesn't afford the kind of living you were talking about um, with chickens and and larger gardens and that sort of thing. Well, we have with 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 um, I've looked at this for decades now, and I'm not in the overpopulation camp at all. Uh, I've been to Nigeria. One out of ten Africans are Nigerian, and there's there's not even a sense of overpopulation in Nigeria. There's um, there's plenty of land for people and living in their villages. In fact, we need to revitalize those African villages rather than encouraging people to go into the mega cities. So, from my view, there is enough land for people to live in ecological, beautiful ecological villages. There's a global eco village network that's worldwide that's one of the most beautiful examples of living rightly on the earth you know and again i still see these these small examples and i i I commend them don't get me wrong but the feasibility of doing that on on a large scale is is a question to me you know how can we do this on a large scale well uh we can get land access by properly 
uh, beyond left-right, properly structured uh, public finance policy. And that's not the purpose of this show, to go into this kind of policy, but maybe if people go to our earthrightsinstitute.org website or, or the iu.org or the Robert Schrockenbach Foundation, you can learn all about that. There's so much of how to practically uh, have it so that we have a world that works for everyone beyond the old right and the old left and based on the earth rights ethic. You know, I'm, I'm going to quote something out of your book. Um, okay. We live in a time of crisis and chaos in a world on the precipice. Ahead lies catastrophe unless humanity can act together in global cooperation. Ahead lies increasing and relentless warfare unless humanity can respond quickly through awareness that we are a one human family on one small planet. We are all in this together, warfare or earth share. That's the question. That's a pretty strong. That's a pretty strong statement. What well, brought you yeah. to make that? What brought me to make that? It came from an understanding of um, the magic of truth uh, and how we structure human society. I, I, as I said, I, I asked deep questions about the root causes of poverty and war, and those questions became magnets, and they took me to the places and the people and the books and the information that answered those questions very clearly. And so we are at this place where, as humanity, please needs to awaken quickly, but also take action to create the world of fair and ju- fairness and justice that works for everyone. What do you mean by a world on a precipice? Well, there's so many. uh, There's the acidification of the oceans, the the far uh, the full spectrum dominance of U.S. foreign policy and these endless, seemingly endless wars that are wasting resources and are terrible environmental catastrophes. I have military friends that have been very damaged by the environmental destruction of, of, of the military apparatus. Uh, so the wars, the, um, the, the medical system that's for profit, a for-profit medical system, uh, I've been looking at the, the problem of, of vaccines and how the Center for Disease uh, Control has become a for-profit center for big pharma to make profits on vaccines. You learn that garden organically and the soil is rich and the plants are strong and it naturally repels the bugs and the insects and the and whatever might be bothering the plants they become strong a human body with good food and clean water is naturally strong the immune system is naturally strong we don't need all these ever increasing numbers of vaccines our health situation is another crisis we're on a precipice if our autism rates continue the way they're going now, by 2032, this is shocking, but please look it up. 80% of boys and 50% of girls in the United States. I'm going to have you repeat that on the other side of a quick break. Alana and I will sure. be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Scienceofmagic.net. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at the info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one interested. Our guest this hour is Alana Hartsuck, co-director of Earth Rights Institute, her website, earthrightsinstitute.org. Um, we were just talking about, um, you were giving me a statistic about children. Yes. Uh, if the autism trajectory continues as it is now, by 2032, we will have 80% of boys and 50% of girls on the autism spectrum. This is a very serious problem. There's a lot of medical doctors and researchers and whistleblowers speaking out about the problem of the connection of vaccinations and, and vaccine damage and the fact that um, we have a higher infant mortality rate now than other developed countries and so on. So it's very serious. The good news is that there's um, more and more holistic health doctors, there's more naturopaths, there's more people understanding uh, what real health is and that it, it, it means good nutrition, good balanced diets, 
organic foods and good clean water and plenty of exercise and so the basics that keep a person healthy. We do not need these ever increasing numbers of vaccines that they're giving children. Well, it seems like it seems like we seems like we outsmarted ourselves. You know, when we decided that we had a better idea, um, in in whatever arena. And the further we got from the way things were naturally created, the more trouble we got ourselves into. Yes, you had right before you said the finding common ground. That's another of your themes, correct? Finding common yes. ground. Well, let's look mm-hmm. at really what common ground means. <laughs> it's those and it's those ways that under, hold the land in common that we fairly share the earth. And the more we got away from that, where a few could own and control so much of Mother Nature then so much became based on the single bottom line of profit and power. And so we can get back, what we need to, well, get back and move forward to is a triple bottom line of people, planet, and not just profits, but profits can be in there too. But the people and the planet need to be in the value of anything we do in trade, exchange, and market, and so on. And there are now um, ways to incorporate businesses based on the triple bottom line. Our businesses now are based on profit only. That's the way they're incorporated. So we need to shift that whole ethic in terms of business. That's why these beautiful green businesses, we need to give them the support and we need to encourage them to grow because they have embedded in them the ethic of what's good for the people and the planet and not just their, their profit. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing that we see coming to the fore is, is more and more people are trying to do a cooperative thing where everyone wins. The third option, not right, not and wrong, good and bad, but win-win. And, and that's, that's a time that we're moving into in history, I believe. Um, do, you, uh, do you have an idea as to why we're moving there at this time in history? For survival, <laughs> life <laughs> wants to survive. <laughs> there, there's a deep impulse to thrive and survive, and 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 humans are are brilliant and have survived for millions of years, it would seem. And so when we start seeing we're about to go for a precipice, which we are now, there's also enough whistleblowers and people saying, no, don't go that way, go this other way, and they get clear about the other way. And there are people who have the love and the caring and the goodwill for others and for Mother Earth. And they start, they're building now these good ways. Yeah. And going local. Again, I talked about local things. And, and buying local is an important part of this, putting your money where your values are. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to me um, that we're in such chaos right now. But it makes perfect sense because for an old system to die, it has to fall apart. And the more we're associated with and reliant upon what's falling apart, we fall apart ours also. But right. if we can start to pay attention to the things that are going to work in the new way, win-win, uh, instead of dog-eat-dog, dog, yeah. and take a step to be there rather than in the failing system, it's like two worlds emerging, isn't it? Oh, very much. Oh, very much. It's, it's kind of so with one person and another person standing side by side, living in different worlds in their minds. True. There's a David Spangler was a wonderful spiritual writer. If you ever come across David Spangler, he said once the role of the prophet is to preach the doom to wake people up. In other words, the precipice is there. Wake up, people. And the role of the priest is to point to the new direction. And I like to do both. If I'm giving a talk, I like to show what the dark, really difficulty is we're facing, but only for maybe a third of the conversation. And then the two-thirds to shift to all the good things, all the good news, all the new directions. And I, I sense that, that that is, you're that type of person who wants to point to the new directions, and they're clearly there. We have everything uh, already created to have this world work for everyone, uh, basic needs well met, and so that we can then have the great expansion of the mind and spirit that we long for or people not having to do wage slavery type of jobs and work they don't like, but to, but to thrive on all levels throughout their whole day, everything being meaningful and purposeful. We have everything per- intent- intentionally has already been created, the energy, the way of the food supplies, the way to build green buildings, uh, nature-based buildings based on renewable. There's even a building company that's now... Uh, just won't this, using the timber and the sand and the everything from the site to build your whole house. <laughs> won't, won't this um, kind of organically come into being 
when we can do what you did as a child and start connecting with all that is, when we can go into that spiritual place of interconnectedness, it's the natural result, isn't it? The natural result is to then want to have the outer world mirror the beauty and harmony and ecstasy that has been discovered within. Exactly. the terrible dissonance and, and suffering. I myself fall into what I call Weltschmerz. There's a German word. I have no English word. That means pain of the world. If you're a spiritually sensitive person and you look out on the world today, you feel a great sadness. And that's the, the, the world pain. So you take that world pain and you say, I must step up and I must do all that I can, follow my inner guidance, follow my goodwill, become stronger so that, that I can clear this pain. It's a bodhisattva role. The bodhisattva says that rather than going into the infinite everything, uh, the bodhisattva stays with enough individual consciousness until every blade of grass is enlightened. And that's, that's the key, is the balance between the individual and, and, and the unity of the whole. And that's a difficult balance to maintain at this time, isn't it? It's, it's extremely difficult at this time. It's very easy for many of us to fall into despair and this pain of the world, Weltschmerz. And that is why it's so essential that we have conversations like you and I are having, and that we listen and talk, and that we connect with other human beings that uh, will strengthen us in our work together. And together is the key at this point. This. Isolation just breeds a downward spiral. We need to reach out to each other and see that we're all in this together, and then we can bring each other up and through. <laughs> and, and being together is the key, isn't it? It's like, but in order to do that, don't we have to be open to other viewpoints rather than immediately judge against? We need to be open to other viewpoints and be able to engage in a respectful way. Uh, my friend Nori Huddle has written books coming out of her asking questions, kind of Socratic, where you just simply ask another person a question and it keeps drawing them deeper into their own truth. And so we absolutely need safe spaces for people of different views to have heart-to-heart -heart conversations. Mm -hmm. You know that one of the things that you know, Science of Magic is based on is that there's the legend that um, in the original times, the nations were cast to the four corners, and each nation uh, had a, a piece of the truth. But the truth wouldn't totally be known, and we wouldn't find peace and unity until all of these pieces of information came back together and were unified. And I think that's what we're in the middle of right now. Oh, Absolutely. Yes, to honor all the different pieces and see that you bring them together and they make a beautiful mandala. Yeah, and the mandala is way different than any of the four separate. Right. I, yeah. I guess the Native people also talk about the four directions. Maybe that's a bit of this too, understanding the basic different ways and how they harmonize. In a healthy, happy world, there's a harmonic of the differences. There's unity and diversity is a common phrase used now, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, this is why I'm encouraged by people in the, in the localities, right where they are, coming together, neighbors getting to know neighbors, and just simply talking, getting together, having potluck meals, and say, who are you? How are you? And, and just to, to be together and to know each other. I, I'm, I have neighbors that are very different from me, but I find them also interesting. And if I know of any neighbor that's suffering, I just want to reach out and do what little bit I can to help them. It doesn't matter what their their belief is or their political party or so on. They're neighbors. And that's the beauty of coming back as viewing everyone around you as a neighbor instead of a faceless them. Ah, uh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I just look forward to a time, to creating that time when we can actually spend more time together as family and neighbors. Yeah, and I, th I think it's coming. You know, keep up the good work, Alana, and thank you so much for being on the program with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciated our conversation. My mm -hmm. pleasure. Our guest, our guest this hour has been Alana Hartzuck, co-director of Earth Rights Institute and author of The Earth Belongs to Everyone. Her website, earthrightsinstitute.org. This has been The Science of Magic.
Join our email family to be the first to receive our thought-provoking topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you entertain a third option. Bye-bye.